0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. It's good to see all of you this morning. Is it good to be seen? Amen. Well, if you've got a Bible, if you would open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, electronic device, it'll be on the screen as well. Um, Excited to share with you this morning. When I received this assignment, uh, knowing where we were gonna be in the weeks, um, and uh, when I w- began to lean into thinking about uh, the topic, um, it was a, uh, a pretty, va- it's a pretty vast ocean to swim in. Uh, just like most of scripture that uh, topical, there's a lot to um, a lot to glean from and a lot to talk about. But this one in particular, I, I recognize as I speak to the many that are here this morning that many of you might be experts on the topic. And you'll know what I mean. We continue this series this morning on foundations. We have, we have arrived at our last belief here at Grace Harvest Church. And our, 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 our idea in journeying through our beliefs was that you would know and that you would have an opportunity to hear and that you would lean into our hope, that you would lean into the idea of understanding um, what we believe, amen? And not just here at Grace Harvest Church, but what Christians throughout history have have grappled with and wrestled with and have leaned into and have given their lives for and that we would be a people that, that can can grasp and understand and articulate. And so this morning, our belief is belief number 13. This is the last one. They've not been in order, but this is the last one that we're, we're covering. It's that we believe in the literal, physical return of Christ to the earth for his church. Amen? So we believe that Christ is going to return again one day. The idea that this would be wrapped into is a word called Eschatology. Eschatology is a word that Christians or theologians use to to describe the study of end of things, end times. And so there's some of you in this room, um, especially, and I was thinking about this as we're thinking about the end times. I grew up, when I was in and around church, this would have been, you know, late 70s, early 80s, and this was the era of fantastic Christian movies that covered the topic of the end times, even series like Left Behind from the 70s. Come on, I'm leaning into some. You've been around church. You've probably seen. And, and I remember as a little kid, the first time I, I watched this movie, uh, the first one, and the impression that it left me was one of profound fear that I would be left behind. Come on, I'm not the only one, if you've ever, you know, and so, and but I recognize that, um, I recognize that over the years, over the years, Christianity has kind of moved, so to speak, from from really being um, intentional about trying to understand the study of the end times and really what's going to happen in Christ's return um, and, and so this morning, I want to kind of bring us back and highlight this idea that, that w- w- whatever it is and wherever you land, and I'm going to get through a few of the, of the things, the thing that we can all agree on, and what I'm here to tell you at Grace Harvest Church is that we believe that Christ is going to return again, amen? And so I, I want to camp there, I'm going to lean into that, and first service, I... Um, had a difficult time adhering to the notes. So here we go. The second coming of Christ, the return of the king. This topic historically has lots of debate around it. Believers throughout the ages have held many views on the return of Christ. Christians throughout the ages have longed for, waited for, pleaded for, tried to hasten the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, now, now to put it in, in context, this is something that, you know, that we as a culture and we as a church, um, I, I even feel like is, is, and so this is my own, but in conversations with people is that somewhere in the idea of what it means to be believer needs to be on the forefront of every believer's mind, Jesus is returning again, Amen? Like, like, like throughout the busyness of life and throughout all of what happens, throughout every, every way that we would go, that, that situationally we would be aware that our placement is in Christ and that we are positioned that one day we are going to meet our Lord and Savior in the air. Now, I'm not here to, to debate about different views of eschatology. I'm gonna touch a little, a few of them. Some of you here in this room Um, you have got this figured out. Some of you in this room, you know where you land, you've got it all, man, you can almost count backwards, give me days and times, and you know the argument or the historical words about times and times and times and times and seasons, and I praise the Lord. But what I'm really here to focus on this morning is one simple thing, and that we we would move from wherever we are to be Reminded in all of the things that we lean our life into, that Jesus is going to return again, Amen. So, so I want to go back to uh, go back to the text, First Thessalonians. I want to read it. It's chapter four, verse thirteen. It's, it's I got a long chunk for you, Ending in verse five or chapter five, verse eleven. Follow along, and it might be on the screen, but just here we go. Apostle Paul. Before I read the text. He was addressing a few things of the church that was set up. Uh, the Christians there had been uh, meeting as a church, but Christians were passing away, and they were being concerned what's going to happen to the Christians who die. Because in the culture and in the time, um, the afterlife was very much an important part of life. And so as they were, as they had been saved from different views, they were now met with the gospel of Jesus and had been told um, what was going to happen, but they needed reminded again. And for the new believers coming into the church, they need to be told again what's going to happen. And so that's the framework in this letter, in this section, the Apostle Paul writing to the church, okay? And here's what he says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, so those who've passed away, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words Stop, pause. Apostle Paul, encouraging believers. Don't despair for the believers that you know who have already gone to be with the Lord, they are not left behind. Come on, this is a great concern. We have loved ones who have been in the faith. And so the believers were wondering, what's going to happen to them? So the apostle Paul says, they're going to go first. Just wait, put the brakes on. They're going to go first. And then those who are alive will be caught up. Okay, okay, here we go. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Listen, listen. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you're not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. So this isn't gonna catch you by surprise. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We're not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet in the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ." who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live for him. Amen. Did you catch the punchline? That we might live for him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. Wow, the event. So, so in thinking about how to break this up, And leaning into the idea that we believe that Jesus is returning again. What to make of the import about the idea that he is returning again, pulling from the text the punchline? Of everything that we say about him returning, the punchline is that you would live for him here, amen? And so, that we would not be ignorant of what will happen. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Let's roll this back to the early Christian. The idea of the return of Christ was the next event. I'm going to set the stage for you. It was the next event. Early Christians went from walking with Jesus, seeing everything that he did, observing the events, being drawn in by the work of Christ. Now, we're we're in the abstract, right? We're far removed, 2,000 years from the import. But I don't think we're, I don't think it's that hard to grasp. Think about this. You're you're just walking around. You're just a person. And all of a sudden, you hear of a man named Jesus. And maybe this is what they tell you. Hey, you got to come check this out. This guy who's walking around, he is healing people. Okay, no, 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 no. I'm talking like not people just saying there. Like these lame people, you know their names? Matthias? I just pulled out a name, but you know. He stood up. He's the dude who's been there for 20 years. Uh, this other person? Oh, you should have seen him split the fish and the loaves. There was thousands of people, and it just kept happening. Okay, now imagine the opportunity for you to go see it. Okay, I don't believe it, but. I'm going to go see it. And now all of a sudden it happens. Jesus is walking by, Master, heal me. And Jesus, like, yeah, I will. Pick up your mat, you're healed. Then all of a sudden something inside of you is you discount the event maybe because it's 2,000 years but, but I can submit to you that if you have ever been around a healing or a miraculous work of God something inside of you leaps and all of a sudden your own excitement and, and your own need surfaces like the desperation and the gap from me to that miraculous can seem large and all of a sudden you know you are a needy needy person right, and you hunger, like, you hunger, it's like, oh, my goodness, what's he going to do next, and now all of a sudden, for the next three years, you have given up everything that you're doing, because you want to hear what this person who's healing these people has to say, where are you going next, I'm falling. I guess, I guess you're going to go there, I'm going to, I'm going to go, how are we going to eat, I don't know, let's hope he does that thing again, you know, and we can get some food, but you are watching this happen, so, so you've walked with him for three years, And then all of a sudden he begins to drop these bombs in conversation on you like, yep, I'm getting ready to be arrested and crucified and this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be buried, but on the third day I'm going to rise again. What? Whoa, what? What, what, what? And then you see the events begin to play out before your eyes. He gets arrested and accused. And and you're in the crowd and you're thinking, he never did that. What? What? And then you see him carry the cross to Golgotha and crucifixion and like, oh my goodness, what? And you're trying to to relive and remember the very words that he spoke and the disciples that were with him. And then he's buried. And for many of us, that would be the end of this story for all of us. But something happened on the third day. And for anyone who followed him, this would be a moment that sealed the deal. Thunder and lightning and an earthquake. And all of a sudden, he rises again. And all of a sudden, you are aware, he did what he said he's going to do. This man is a truth teller. I am following him. And then he spends the next time hanging with The 500 and the people, and then disciples in 40 days, secrets of the kingdom. Can you imagine that conversation? Downloading secrets of the kingdom to disciples. I got to tell you this and this, and disciples, well, you rose again. And then he ascends. And you're thinking, man, everything he said he was going to do, he did. And everything he did was pretty miraculous. And I, I am hooked. So, so you're, you're in this group that believes and that follows and, and that, that says and repeats. And so what next? And then what you know is that he said, behold, I am coming again. Yeah. It's the next thing. Yeah. Like, oh, he's coming again. <laughs> you think I'm joking. What would you do? Would you be any different? Would you be any different than this in Acts chapter one? Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. They didn't know what to do. He had, res- he had resurrected, he had ascended, and now they were the next thing, the next event. Behold, I come like a thief in the night. Be ready, be watchful, live your life for me, obey me. My sheep know, they love me, they obey me. All those principles. Where are you? You said you would come quickly. 2,000 years. 2,000 years of Christians longing for the return of their king. Patiently waiting. Existing in a space here that's filled with brokenness and heartache and death and despair. And the message of the gospel is contrary to that. We are a people of the resurrection, amen? And everywhere we look, and you as a people are examples of people from death to life. It's the story of the gospel. This is what we represent. The second coming of Jesus Christ. There could be no doubt, it was a statement of fact still to be realized. It was this hope that sustained them through the many trials that they faced, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. Jesus in his resurrected body will descend from heaven. It will be physical. It'll be personal and that those who know him will be expecting him. It will be dramatic. It'll be public and it'll be unmistakable. Can you imagine? I don't even know what that would sound like. Maybe the Calvary. Maybe other triumphant trumpet sounds. What does it sound like for the king of kings or the angels around him to declare with trumpet his arrival? What does it sound like with a voice that declares in power, I am He? I am here and I have come for my people? What does it sound like for the King of kings and Lord of lords to arrive on the scene in the way that he promised he would do? Looking for a people who love him and are living for him. Now, now I'm not gonna be the, I can't, I can't be the parser of hairs here. So I'm not here to tell you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, living your way to but what I, but he knows, and you know, are you living for him? And in a way that remembers that he's coming again, like a thief in the night. No man knows the day or the hour, right? He's coming. Now, now, now later the apostle Paul wrote... Now, brothers, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The Apostle Paul was echoing what Jesus said in Matthew that no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. So I want to encourage you. I'm not here to. If anyone proclaims to you they know the day or the hour of Christ's arrival, you have scripture to point back to them. No, you don't. No, you don't. False teacher. False prophet. Say that to them. What did Jesus say? Nobody knows. Not even he knew. Not even he knew. The, the point is that we would live our lives as though any moment he could come. It begins to alter how we obey him and moments in our daily lives, the struggles that we would have, the yieldings that we needed new. Oh, Lord, you know I am struggling here. I'm yielding to you in what your word says. Help me. So that means I cannot move right now because my next step feels like it's leaning into something that doesn't honor you. Help me. Bring someone along. Hear my cry. Intervene in this moment. Here, The return of Jesus will come as a surprise to an unbelieving and skeptical world. But it's a promised return for us as believers. In Second Peter 3, 3 through 4, it's written, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? Forever, since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with the roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. You see, there's something about the revelation, about the idea that we are hanging on to a hope that Christ is going to return again. But Peter cautions us to say, hey, wait a minute, listen up. In the last days, people will mock and scoff and turn to their own sinful desires. Another text says, like in the days of Noah, and I want you to think about this for a minute, uh, God spoke to Noah and said, Noah, I want you to build a boat in the desert because I'm about ready to send rain Build a boat. I'm going to give you the dimensions. Build a boat. Scripture says like scoffers like in the days of Noah. C- can you imagine Noah goes out to his sons or to the first people? So I have an idea. The Lord spoke to me. I have to kind of sketched this out. We're going to build a boat. What? They hadn't seen rain yet. There was a firmament or a heavy dew that had facilitated the growing season, so it hadn't rained. And, like what? Son knows like, okay, I need help. Son's, you on board? Son's, yeah, we're on board. We're going to do this with you, Dad. He goes out to his friends. Okay, all of you gathered here. Now, think about the context. It could have been friends, hold a banquet, dinner, supper. You live hundreds of years. How many people are you going to know? You know, three, four, five hundred years, gathered everyone it's like, yeah, no, you, I've known you for 400 years. You're going to come along? It's a long time. I don't want to leave you behind. You know, like, you're just like, yeah, 300 years. We've known each other. Come on, you know? I'm not too. And people are listening to his pitch. You know, Noah, I thought you might be a little. But this confirms it. You've lost it. We've never seen rain. What are you doing? And so Noah just gets to work hammering 120 years. 120 years. Now, I know that people lived a long time back then, but 120 years is 120 years of listening to people mock at you. We're just going to go live our lives, Noah. There's a lot to do around here. A lot of fun still left to be had. We're going to go do that. And Noah's like, you sure you want to change your mind? Just, Just grab your, come up the ramp. Come on. We're going we're gonna to keep building. Come on. Don't mind the animals, two by two, and all the multitudes. We got you on the second deck. You got a window. <laughs> come up. Come up. Scripture says that nobody took him up on that except his sons and their wives. 120 years. Building. In the face of mockery, obedience. Building. Peter cautions us that in the last days they'll come. And they'll say, what's happening here? Where has he come? I don't see him. What's going on? He's good. I'm going to go do my own thing. So there it is. But just like in the days of Noah, one day, the ramp begins to lift. The door gets sealed. You can imagine the, Noah's like, the Lord said, guys, I guess we're done. I'm going to. The, the door's gonna be sealed and lifted so we better get in the boat. So they get in this boat, door seals, there's in the boat, and you know, obedience is one thing having sure, but there comes a point at times where you're like, Lord, I know you spoke. We're all here. The animals are here. And then all of a sudden, rain. Rain. Can you imagine? For 120 years, Noah had been declaring, it's going to rain. God says he's going to destroy the earth. He's going to rain. And nobody took him up on the deal. It was open, wide open. We live in times not unlike that. We live in times where as we look around, we can look at culture and we can look at the world and we have a message of the gospel of hope, but... but Good, can be good. Some have it good, and sometimes that—Are you sure, Jesus? You know, well, I think I'm good right now. I guess if I start to see that it's ships going down, I'll. But no, you know, you know. The truth is, is that for. For thousands of years, Christians have had to think through the text and try to come up with their, with their own studies about what it means and how this is going to happen. And so I, w- I want to just lean into that a little bit because for those of you who have been around the church, you have established thoughts probably, probably more learned maybe in some areas. Here are s- several views on the end times and I just want to let you know, as I share these with you, all of these views are legit in the Christian world. Okay? They're legit. You can pull scripture and and build a and build a study on a particular view and then and then another view particular, and I've had I've had had conversations, and so I just want to read one. One is that, and so this is how it begins, or this is the thought, and some of these were prevalent in certain times, but the first one is that there is a rapture, a taking away to be with the Lord, and that kicks off a series of events. How many of you guys have heard of that? Like, in the twinkle, the trumpet sounds, boom. And that begins the countdown, a series of time that we would call tribulation, um, and that the Antichrist uh, will, will rise and that, and that he will reign and that um, from that moment Christians are gone and the enemy rules and that he has his way for a season and that Christ, whether it's three and a half years or seven years, will return and set up kingdom and deal with that. And this view can be known as premillennial dispensationalism. Whoa. Okay. Whether it's pre, or mid, or post, whether the Lord comes before that, or right in the middle of that, or after that, you can be right into, into that group. That is really prevalent amongst, and that would feed the views like the series, the book series Left Behind. How many of you heard? Yeah, you heard of? We've read the whole series, so don't be bashful. Yeah, I mean, you know, I read it. I th- I thought it was just a great illustration of like hey we believe something christians have something here that we need to talk about and it and it's a good thing so i think my kids have heard the entire series of me reading them out loud to them and so and, and then to talk through and then there's another view that, that, that Christ will return to the earth with Jesus and rule and that we will rule with him for a thousand years right when the rapture happens. This view is known as premillennialism. Uh, it's possibly the oldest view we can find in church history. So, so the view that I just gave you is the youngest view in church history. In its um, concept- conceptualization and its birthing of that view was in here in the United States, but it isn't the oldest view. Christians for thousands of years have hung on to this view. This view is known It's possibly the oldest view. It doesn't teach that Christ will take us to heaven during the great tribulation, but that Christians will experience the great tribulation, but be spared the wrath and judgment of God and evil on the earth. So maybe you're there. Maybe that's where you are. Or maybe you're in the view of we'll return to earth and rule with Jesus for eternity in a new heaven and new earth. This view teaches that the thousand year rule of Christ is either symbolic or has been accomplished already when Christ returns at his return, resurrection, judgment and the recreating of the heavens of the earth will all take place right after his return. This view teaches that he'll make everything right at that point and reign with his people and new heavens and new earth from that point on return and rule forever. Maybe you've heard of that and maybe that's where you're at. Those three views are fairly prevalent in the Christian church and all can be legit and all can be supported. And, and so uh, I would encourage you, this is a fascinating topic to, to lean into. This is, there's also one called preterism. And some, this is not a popular view, doesn't, isn't held in most theological circles. And that view is simply that preterists are people who believe that everything has already happened in the past. So, from the moment of the Tipples' destruction by Roman rule, all the way through, that signs and wonders and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars and famines and all of that stuff can be substantiated in times past, and that we forward-looking people are looking for signs that have already happened, and um, that that idea isn't supported. It, it's a it's a side view. I mean, it's open for great discussion. But, but here, here's the crux of it. In Luke chapter 21, 25 through 26, it says it says, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken." Can you, can you begin to see like this idea of the end or last days and his second coming and people who are in the moments, their lives and their world and their nations being shook? Now I submit to you that, that from 2,000 years ago on, nations have been shaking. Wars have been happening famines have been happening things have been happening that have been distressing to the human condition come on right like we hear about it we we live in a time now things are happening all over the globe and if you were in those moments in those countries and you were a christian you you could you could be thinking some of these thoughts lord wars and rumors of wars and Nation, your nation crumbling around you and your heart failing for fear. I mean, these are real moments. These are moments that Scripture is describing that actually happens even now. But, but this return of Christ holds that, and then they shall, shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. For us as Christians, His return is glorious. Because he's coming back for his people. And he's establishing his dominance. Amen? And when he returns, there will be no more tears. There will be no more wars and rumors of wars. We'll be made whole. And what I mean by whole is whatever wholeness is in that. Also, the twisted thing inside of me will be healed and made right. Right? right? Come on, I'm not the only one with that. Come on. Right? Like this propensity or this bent. This diseased and riddled body that decays will be renewed. I'm not sure how that's all going to work. Whether it's... And I have... What he envisions for me or what I envision at a certain age, I don't know. But scripture says it's made whole and new and everything that's crumbling and decaying is, is going to be made right. But, but here's the thing, it's a troubling return for those who don't believe. Many scoffers are going to see that Jesus Christ has returned. It's going to be troubling for them. Can you imagine the fear? Instantly, truth is going to hit them at the moment if they've ever heard a shred of truth of the gospel in the great coming day, right at the forefront of their mind. It was true. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Whoa. Jesus said that they would be eating and drinking and marrying and giving of marriage. In other words, we don't want to hear all that doom and gloom stuff. There's too much life to live. Just like in the days of Noah, I want to read something to you. I don't often give myself to country music. <sighs> I know. But when I do, I, I really like to listen to the words, just like messages have meanings, right? I like to, and there was a song that hit me. It's really popular. The artist, they just, it's called Heaven. It's written by Cain Brown. I'm not out to dismantle him, right? But but, but, but think about the context, scoffers. Let me eat and live and be merry. We as Christians look for the return of Christ. That's why Christians lean into the idea, Lord, that you're returning again. We long to see him again. Come on, Christians. Put him in his place. We long to see him. We long to see him we know that we are sojourners in this land. You were not made for the world, but for him. You know that your final place is not here, but there. Come on, right? Amen? And so let's talk about this. But, but the world has no concept of that. So when Christians talk about, man, I just, I just long to be with the Lord, like his presence. To know him. Sometimes Christians are like, what? Man, what? I hope I live a long life. I want. Come on, you know what I mean. Like we, we because we can tangibly understand what we see and can touch, and this is the words. But so, so think about it. So one lyric set. Everybody's talking about heaven like they just can't wait to go. Amen. That should be Christians talking, saying how it's going to be so good, so beautiful. That should be every word that comes out of the mouth of Christians. Lying next to you in this bed with you, I ain't convinced. Because I don't know how, I don't know how, heaven, heaven could be better than this. Now, I hear the song, I understand. The rest of it kind of sometimes makes me feel good. I'm looking at my wife like, You tracking because that can be good, but 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 you're also hearing a sound of the culture, a sound that's speaking another word, a sound that is doubtful, a sound that's not forward looking in hope, a sound that is not rooted in the return of the king a sound from the culture that needs to be spoken to, that needs to be reminded, that needs to be called out, that needs to be shared with. But wait a minute. You're missing the point. The point is not just his return, but about his resurrection and his grace and his mercy and his life-changing hope that he gives. It's the power of the gospel. He's coming again, but it can be a troubling word for the unbelievers, we want to be ready. The dead in Christ will rise first. Thessalonians gives us away. Like here, here's the order. Here's what's going to happen. Don't you worry about those who have passed on before you. It's a powerful word. It's a word that speaks to me. It's a word that speaks to anyone who's ever suffered loss. Like in the, in the new Christ. Like just, this speaks like... A, Apostle Paul is speaking to you hope. Like one day they're gonna rise again. They're not forgotten and they're not lost, the dead in Christ. Because, because Christianity is a religion of resurrection. Everything about it is rooted in the idea that Christ rose, thus giving life the most powerful, pivotal moment in the Christian faith, the resurrection. Everybody say it with me. Resurrection. Jesus rose again. It's, it's life-giving. It's everything about that. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, we're confident. Yes, well, please, rather, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we know that we have a place to go. We are going to be with him. In Philippians 1, 21, Paul writes, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What a worldview that is. Come on, what a world view. Like I know I have something to do here. I don't know, I'm walking through stuff here and 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 I'm I'm living, It's, it's for Christ but I know if something happens to me, I'm with him. Shortly after these letters were written, the apostle Paul realized the truth of that statement and was beheaded by Nero for the faith. Never looking back, never giving up, never saying a different word than the word that he said over and over and over and over. He believed it, gave his life for it, that one day Christ is going to return again for his people. The dead will be raised imperishable For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Jesus is coming to renew and to give new and life forevermore. The final word is not death for the believer. Amen? Come on. Like like there is hope. The gospel is hope. Resurrection is the word. And that he is coming again. When we talk about the idea of those who are alive and get caught up in the air, the dead in Christ first, then believers in the twinkle of a lot, an eye, Scripture talks about, like, how fast is that? Like, you're airborne. I can't, I don't know how, okay? I don't, except the, by the power of God, I don't know when, except I have to read the Scripture, I have to process that and say, all right, Lord, you're going to make me aerodynamic. Yeah. It's happening. Just like every one of you, it's happening. Should be hope-filled, right? Now, now the word rapture, the word rapture isn't found in Scripture. So if you're gonna walk around and say rapture, it's not, and somebody says, show me in Scripture, you're not gonna be able to be like the word rapture. But there's concept, concept. Um, the English word isn't found, but, but there is the concept. What's important is that the word is derived from the Greek word uh, Paul uses caught up. It's harpazo. And then when the Bible was translated to Latin, they used the word raptus. One more hop. Rapture in English. In English, it means to steal, carry off, to snatch away by force with no resistance offered. It means there's nothing you can do. If you are in Christ, you're going. My birthday was Tomorrow. You're gone. You know, or, or man, vacation was two weeks from now. You're gone. Or, or think about this. I have lived my life struggling to honor God or to try or to yield and to give. You're gone. Like, like his love for you is overwhelming. You've placed yourself in him that he's covering. He knows you. He knows you. you you're, you're gone. He's he's taking you. It's going to be a reunion. You're always going to be with the Lord. It is the Christian hope. It is the the highlight. It is the the, the place that we lean into. That There in the presence of the Lord we will be beyond the reach of evil, pain, and suffering. Heaven will be the place of the greatest reunion of all time with people from every tribe, tongue, Kindred and nation, Revelations 5. Now, think about that. It's going to be the ultimate rainbow. Jesus created by Him. Colors of people. Peoples that you never, I, I imagine you're going to get there and see and be like, I never knew. Wow. Okay. You're going to be looking at people. You know, people, people, I'm going to be up there and people are going to be looking at me. Okay. Praise the Lord. I don't know what would be make them do that, but maybe they could, you know? It's like it's like that's what it is. So here we are. So what now? He's returning again. Scripture says at any time, surely quickly. So we live to honor God at every moment because we know that he will come and we don't know when, right?